This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That The, the first question I've got for you, Paul, you started your career at St Mirren, you worked under mm. Alex Miller, some really experienced senior players in that team, the likes of Frank McGarvey, Kenny McDowell, Neil Cooper, and, and you have Scottish Cup success over Dundee United, Jim McLean's Dundee United at that. What are your memories mm. of that Scottish Cup campaign and your time at St Mirren as a whole? That's, that's the starting ground for me, really. I signed there when I was, I was 13. But Ricky McFarlane was a manager at that time. Ricky was a manager. And uh, we came in to sign the, the S forms at that time, schoolboy forms at 13. And we had, and then Ricky left not that long after we signed at, at that time. And then um, the manager came in, Alec Muller came in with Martin Ferguson, Drew Jarvie. And uh, I always say they three were the were the main instigators of me being a footballer, really, because they got me into really good habits, really good discipline, really good coaching guys. They were they were brilliant. They three, and I owe them a my God, owe them a hell of a lot for giving me the career I had. So they three are were great for us. So we signed when I was, I think the manager Alec Miller took me down to Dumbarton when I was fifteen in a friendly game, and um, they put me on the bench to get the experience of it. I actually made my Premier League debut when I was 16 against Motherwell and, and Alec Muller put me on at that time and uh, it really went from there. But you're right, the players that, that were in the dressing room that, at that era, but and all, I, I keep going back to it, always thank God that they were there because they gave us a hard, the hardened background and the, the growing up in the not-so-soft era where you had to fend for yourself and stick up for yourself in that, in that environment. So there's a lot of respect for them. We had these young players for them because they were great senior pros and they looked after us. So you had to do the, the normal jobs, boots, cars, walls, painting, strimming grass, all the, all the jobs that you, you, you love doing, So, um, which is sadly not there anymore. But it was a great upbringing. But that, that dressing room was, was brilliant. And I, you're right, I played with them when Alec left. He went to Hibs and then Alec Smith came in. And you're never quite sure how... A new manager thinks away. This goes with experience or young or mixed, whatever. And, and Alec and Jimmy came in and kept me part of it and and made me play. And then played me in the cup final. But you play with no fear at seventeen. You've got you haven't a clue what you're doing really. You're just involved in it. You're just going with the flow really. So, but the Mun guys helped me through it because they were all experienced players. A lot of them, apart from myself, probably Brian Hamilton, Ian Ferguson, and. I think David Winnie probably at that, that time, about 21. So everybody else was experienced. And and Alec had, had built a really good side there at that time. And, and, and obviously Fergie scores a winner, which was which was great for St Mirren. You, you won the cup with St Mirren, as we've talked about, and it was a, a great start to your career, playing hundreds of games at such a young age. 
from mm. St Mirren on to Motherwell, you work with Tommy McLean and Alex McLeish. Mm. A third place finish, then a second place finish, and then, mm. of course, a UEFA Cup campaign as well. How important was Motherwell for your development as well? Well, I felt I felt that I had to leave St Mirren at that time. I, I was I was going stale. I wasn't wasn't performing for for them, and 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 to be fair, Jimmy Bone was was good at that at that point uh, for me to leave. I think he knew. That I'd, I'd went stale at, at that age as well because I played a lot of games prior to that for somebody being as young as that and you sometimes need a change I needed a change that mum needed a change and and Tommy I actually spoke to Jim McLean before I spoke to Tom McLean I went up to Tanadice to speak to Jim McLean and, and um, he was great to be fair but he only really gave me a day to decide whether I wanted to join Dundee United or not and uh, the day was uh, it wasn't enough for me to decide whether I wanted to to um to leave St Mirren at that point and I said no to Dundee United and and then I'd met him. I've been up to Tanadice to meet him. Everything he was fine. And then Motherwell came in a few weeks after that, Tommy came in. And then but the only way that deal was going to happen is if Jim Garner had went to St Mirren. That's, and uh, that's only the way it was going to happen. A bit of money exchanged hands. And I walked into a dressing room but to be fair the Motherwell lads they were they were playing really well and they were up in the top two or three places at that at that point. So I joined a really strong dressing room. But I've got to say that, that that year was brilliant. The th- under Tommy was brilliant. We were we were playing some incredible football. We were obviously we ran Rangers so close to it. And um yeah, we just fell short. And then the next year we went even closer. And we just fell short again. But the dressing room was br- some really, really good players and, and God rest some of them that they're not here with us anymore. And um probably never get the credit they deserved that Motherwell team because they were excellent. Very, very good. A very good team playing in Europe. You win Player of the mm. Year at the club as well. The Bosman ruling really changes things mm. in Europe. Did, yeah. did you have more options than, than obviously Borussia Dortmund at that time? And, and ultimately, why did you choose Dortmund out of the clubs that were interested? Well, that's an easy question because there's nobody interested. No? So, uh, no, 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 nobody. So that's why I had to go on trial. And um, believe it or not, I've actually spoke to John Mark Bosman since that. I spoke to him a few months ago. And uh, because without him, no player would have moved. No player. And and I always wanted to meet uh, kind of meet him through through whatever it was. And it was through one of these Zoom things. So I met him and um, they asked me to do a documentary down here and it was on BT, I think. So I was one of the first players to take advantage of it. I think Rob McKinnon moved from Motherwell. He took it, I think John Collins moved. Celtic to Monaco so that was kind of in that era where it was just kind of out there and I moved at that point But it, it, so I have a hell of a every player in the world has got to thank him for and for what he went through and, and I don't think nobody really realises what the guy went through until you watch a documentary so it's a big thing for him to have done what he'd done the Bosman really. so and it changed the face of the game to, to this day so I had to go on trial. There was only two teams I had to go on trial with, but it, it was a Dutch agent that lined it up. And uh, I went over to Eindhoven first. So I had some try, trial games there and it never worked. And then obviously went to, went to Dortmund and had four four trial games. And then it, it, it went from there, really. 
And in, in terms of the initial settling in period at Dortmund, what was the standard like? Because you think of some of the players, obviously Stefan Kloss, who we know here in Scotland, you had Sammer, Reuter, Paulo Sosa, Muller, um, Chapuzat as well. I mean, you're talking about top-class international footballers. No, they were world-class. They were, you, you, you went from an extreme scale, no disrespect to Mum and Motherwell, or you went from an extreme scale of, of incredible level and standard that was was expected, and, and the size of the club and the fan base it had, it's it was huge. But the players you've just mentioned there were, and there, there was more of them. Kola was there, Riedler was there. It was just an incredible. York Heine, Julio Cesar. It, it was just an incredible, incredible team that that I, that I was part of. But the, you're talking the, the scale of the difference between the two. Motherwell St Mum and, and Bruce Dortmund you can't compare because it's just too big and it, and it was just too good a team for 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 anybody to really beat at that, at that time You mentioned it being hard to compare which of course it is so from you how did you go from playing for St Mirren and Motherwell to adapting to life at Dortmund because you hit the ground running and you've left a legacy mm-hmm. there which we'll come to with the Champions League of course Well I knew if I never raised me at the bar that I wouldn't play I knew that. I knew the standard of player, and uh, Otmar probably seen something that, that most people wouldn't have seen that he could make me that kind of type of player, really. And um, game knowledge is, is is a secret. If you game intelligence, you tend to find you pick up things a bit, bit more quicker. And the speed of the ball was moving really quickly, and, and you only really had one or two touches on the ball. But that I was comfortable with that. And I just had to find the role where what he wanted me to do, and he he kind of moulded me into that that side of it, and and then the players helped as well. They they kind of helped, and I built up great relationships with them on the pitch. We had some great moments, great arguments. What you do in a pitch is, is normal. So um, from that from that side, but I, I had to raise the bar. I had to I had to go way above what I was playing at Motherwell or what I was doing at Sunderland. Way above that was there was no comparison. If I'd played anywhere near the, the level that Simon and, and Mother would probably it'd have been crazy because the competition wasn't as high as what it was in Germany. So you had to raise the raise the bar plus you had to test yourself. The biggest the biggest test was for yourself, really, if you could do it. And in terms of testing yourself, you do that in the Bundesliga, but in the Champions League, you succeed with Borussia Dortmund. You beat Atletico Madrid um, along the way in the group stages. You have Manchester United in the semi-final. Roy Keane mm. praised you in his autobiography's first book for your performance in that semi-final. And then, of course, you've got Lippi's Juventus in the final. You think of the players that they had in that team. Everyone mentions Zidane, a man-of-the-match performance from you, an assist as well. How proud are you of that Champions League campaign, including the final? Because you became the first UK player to, to win the European Cup with a foreign club as well, since it changed to the Champions League. Yeah. Um, the, the, the game itself was... was um, I was used to the big-time games. It never kind of phased me, really, is, is what I was playing it or who I was going to play against, because I played against some great, great, great players in the Bundesliga. So that never really kind of phased me of that that side of it because I knew that the team I was playing with and I knew the Dortmund fans would be there in the thousands and I knew the UV fans would be there I knew the stadium the Olympic Stadium because we played Bayern there not 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 long before the, the final and but it was just the whole level that I had to perform to as I said to stay in that side so the, 
it's not something I always rerun in my brain. Other people may be interested in it. It's just something that, yeah, doing it being the first British player to win it with a foreign team is, is, is it's etched in history of that really. Nobody can take that away from you. So, but you join an elite group of people that have actually done it. I always look at that, that, that you're failing in that category. And it, what it did do is it catapulted your game and you can handle the best anything really that's thrown at you, whether it's Europe. I think Madrid was, was, was a really, really tough game, especially over there. I played against Simeone, the manager now. We played against a pan teacher who's arguably one of the hardest players to play against. They had a right good side, Madrid, at that time. It was a really hostile place to play, but we beat them 1 0 there. United, there was probably more euphoria on the British side, but I was away from it. I, and they had British TV really, so I was comfortable with okay, we go to Manchester and we try and win. But I knew I knew if we'd beaten Man United at home and we'd scored away from home, it would be tough for Man United to beat us. And Roy obviously played in the the, the game at in Dortmund and we, we come up against each other. But I, I think myself Roy probably had a a bit of the same mindset of how we seen the game and how we how nothing really phased both of us that, that way, you know, and it became a battle. Which, which I enjoyed, he enjoyed, and, and to this day we, we became friendly with it. So, um, yeah, it was it was just one of the games. I knew if we scored at Old Trafford, I thought they would have found it difficult to score, to score three against, you know, to score three against us, you know. And in terms of the, the European Cup, when you get your hands on that trophy, what does yeah. it feel like? And when you're lifting it, does all those memories of St Mirren at 15, 16 and Motherwell come flashing back as to how far you've obviously went in your career to get to that point? No, I don't think you can never look back when you play. I don't think you, you can never look back on what you what you achieved with St Mirren or Motherwell or anything like that. You, there's great memories when you stop. I think that's when you look back on it and think, well, do you know what? It was a good a good time in these years, but I don't think you think back. Well, I think you think back, or you look back. We we, we thank people like Alec Mullen, Martin Ferguson, Drew Jarvie, and people like Alex Smith, and that was a part of the whole me being there. So, but you never look back and think what's happened at Mother was at Mun. It's it's where you are you're here now. I earned the right to play there. I earned the right to stay in the team because I knew how hard it was. If you lost your place, how hard it was going to be to to get back in it. The fans took to me right away, which certainly helped us on on that side. So I became single-minded and focused on winning games. And, that, and that's the way my career went from there on in was I'm going to enjoy the ride here. And it, it was absolutely, it was an incredible time. The, the Champions League is the highest honour any, any player can get in the in, in European scene. And in terms of returning to Scottish football with Celtic after that success, mm. you come in under Vim Janssen, Celtic trying to stop the 10 in a row. And and one of my good friends in football is Andy Ritchie, of course, was scouting for the club at the time. And he always talks about yourself and Craig Burley. As he always says, mm. without Lambert and Butler, we would never have brought that title back. So how do you how do you remember that season and the League Cup success as well? Because there was so much pressure from minute one. It was. And, and Andy, who, who was... He's the only, only guy I know that I think I could see him make a pass that he hit the ball had a string on it. <laughs> it, it, it was unbelievable. A great pass. Of the, if you see him pass Madagascar to him. I will and, do. Uh, uh, he, he was one of the big kind of instigators on in it for me to go there. Him and Tommy Burns, God rest him. And then I had a lot of respect for Tommy Burns. I, I loved him as a footballer and as a person when I, when I met him. And then... 
they too kept asking me to go and, and it, it wasn't right for me to go. I, I loved my time in Dortmund. That was great. I went to big European teams after the Champions League final. A, few, a lot of teams come in for me to sign and I didn't need to move because I was really happy there. And and, and then uh, Tommy and, uh, and Andy kept, uh, kept on personally. I knew, that, I knew from afar the Celtic season was going to be big. The Being a Scottish lad, I knew it was going to be a big season for them. But at that moment, I wasn't a part of it. I was still a Dortmund player, so it was fine. I knew the Celtic and Rangers rivalry would be would be strong that following year because of ten in a row. And uh, we played um we played Aberdeen. I know we played up in Aberdeen and in, in Scotland and we were playing Belarus because Hamden was getting renovated. And um Bim and Murdo came into the boot room. I was cleaning my boots before the game, just to make sure we were all right. And Bim shut the door and said, Can you give me one more chance to try and sign you? And I turned around and said, Well, listen, it's up to yourself. I said, I, I have to to concentrate in the game. And Vimy Hansen was in the game, Lord Weston, once he passed away. He was fantastic. He was absolutely incredible with me at that time. And I think Celtic were trying to sign somebody else, and Vim kept on me buffing it. And then um, he kept on sticking with me with a come. And he kept asking us in the club, I want to sign somebody else. I don't want him. I want you to come. And then um, yeah, and that's how it kind of transpired and then ended up coming, I think, November or whatever it was at that point. But I knew the magnitude of the season, but that never fazed me because I, knew I was used to playing big-time football. Really. And in terms of the pressure, everybody that I've spoken to from that team, mm. I spoke to Craig Buller recently as well, and, and Craig always talks about the dressing room atmosphere and ethos was probably the biggest thing along with him that obviously got the team through the season because you knew how to handle that pressure and still enjoy it, which to people on the outside like me sounds crazy that you would enjoy that level of pressure, but the group <laughs> was so strong that you could. Well, they're all, they're all big players. They could handle the crowd, they could handle the club, they could handle the expectancy level. That, that's what big players do in big clubs. <clears throat> and Craig was great to play with. He was a massive player at that at that season. But I also knew Jackie, Simon, Phil, again, God rest them. I, I, I knew them from the Scotland scene. The, the guys, Dan Jackson. I, I, the only ones I never really knew was like Henrik and Reggie and Matt Reaper and Martin Vickers, but quickly got to know them. And, but Craig's right, like you're saying, the dressing room was strong, the close-knit dressing room, but also really good players, top players, really good. And and I'll always say it, another lads might beg to differ, but my opinion was it was the hardest title we won, just because it was what was riding on it. That, that was the hardest title we won. And, and you've got to give Rangers their credit. Rangers were a right top side at that, that era. And the players that they had was, was incredibly strong. So what Bim Janssen done was nothing short of a genius. It was a master stroke what he done. Because he stopped to 10 in a row, which we'd probably still be talking about now. And it protected the great Lisbon Lions team. Legacy the Jock Steen. Never be, and hope that never, it would never get done again, really, you know. And in terms of Vim's era, as you say, stopping the 10 in a row, something that was an incredible success. What comes after Vim, of course, is a difficult time for the club. If we fast forward, though, to Martin and Neil coming in, just how mm. did he transform the club? Because the Barnes era, of course, there was ups and downs. There was obviously the, the Inverness games everyone talks about. But when Martin comes in, it seemed like a fresh start for everyone. And, of course, delivering a treble is the, the perfect way to start it all, isn't it? We, we needed a manager like him. I think at that time to come in, somebody that 
because the season prior, uh, before that, previous that was 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 terrible, and um, we were so far behind Rangers at that point. We with really good players at the club, still there, really good, but we needed a bit of help. We wanted to come in and give us a hand, and I think that that's what happened. And and it, and Martin galvanised it, grabbed it with stuff, and it pulled it up, got everybody on side, and that and that team was relentless. That that team, people ask me what's the difference between the Bruiser Dortmund team and the Celtic team I played in. And the biggest compliment I can I can give the two of them is Bruce Dortmund was a special, special team that probably couldn't be touched, but Celtic was a great team, which is no far behind it. And that was a, the biggest compliment I could give it. That that dressing room and that team were unbelievably strong. And it and we just fell short of another European trophy really. You do fall short in that, and you win everything domestically, four titles, two mm. Scottish Cups, two League Cups, you win Player of the Year in Scotland, and you get to that UEFA Cup final. Just before I ask you about the UEFA Cup, where does mm. Henrik Larsson compare to all the great players that you've played with, particularly in Dortmund as well? I know, he's right up there. Me and him had a great understanding on the pitch. I, I just always felt if Henrik was on a... Any of the problems only striking a one v one set chasing along with Riedler and Sharpestar that I thought 99.9% he would score. Day three were the ones that I thought you give him a chance he'll score. And Henry was always like that. Even in the 10 in a row season, I always thought this lad will score. But Rose had a great kind of telepathy on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the game. And um, we were strong, strong pals off the, off the pitch as well. So you've got to put them right in the highest with like Riedler and Sharpissa and people like that that were just a phenomenal striker. But the great thing about Henrik was take away his goals, take that away, his work rate and his enthusiasm and his hunger for the game for me was the most important. Top, and top players have that in abundance that people think the natural goals will come naturally. They do when, when they do the hard work and he had that in abundance. When you look at that UEFA Cup run, Blackburn, Liverpool, Vigo, Boa Vista and then Porto in the final, it was an incredible run from start to finish. Obviously the final ultimately disappointing at the final hurdle, although the, the contra- controversy of that Porto team and the way that you could mm-hmm. say they went down quite easy still lingers on all these years later. How do you reflect on the campaign as a whole and Seville in particular, obviously as captain? Well, I mean, the, the whole run was incredible. I mean, the two English teams knocking them out was, was huge. But I think, as I said before, that, that Celtic team in that era could, could more or less go to toe-to-toe with anybody. I don't care who they were at that point. We were a right good side, really strong. We had everything there, the fans, we had everything, the drive, the hunger, the, the drive, everything there that you want in, like, in your team. They weren't any shrinking violence. If anybody wanted to have a fight with we fight them. Everybody wanted to go toe-to-toe, they go toe-to-toe with them. So the run, the run was always going to be special, but we were always that difficult to beat at home. It didn't matter who came there, as you probably know. It didn't matter who came to Parkhead that we think we'd win. And 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 the run was great. The the Bo Vista game was probably was the first was the first time we played at Parkhead, and that that what didn't go down too well. So I think they moved that to the afternoon for TV time. It wasn't the same kind of atmosphere, and then. Away from home was tough, and then Henry gets a gets a goal. The final, I've always thought that the stadium was never big enough. 
to hold the hold the crowd. It was too it was too far away. The pitch was relayed and it wasn't in great condition either uh, on that side. It was really, really dry and the heat that night was incredible heat in Seville. But I never thought the stadium was big enough for, for the Celtic crowd. I mean, it took, what, 80,000 80, there. That was never big enough to hold them, never in a million years. So they should have looked at that and thought, well, look at Celtic's home games, what did they get? They got 60,000 there. So, and they we get people listen, you can't take any away for them because we, they were if you look at them the previous year, they couldn't win the Champions League. So they were a right good side, they were no mugs, they're the right good side, they're the top manager and Josie at that point, albeit whether they'd done the diving or whether they time wasted. Listen, we'd have done the same. If, if that was your culture, we'd have done the same. And it's their culture, it's their game, it's the way they play, you had to overcome that. We never we weren't acute enough. Did I think we played our best? No. No, we never, we never played the best that we had played previously. We just fell, again, we just fell short. In terms of that team, I was born in 95 and that's the best team I've ever watched. And I suppose the sad thing for me is <laughs> it was it was the start of my time supporting the club. But in terms of that dressing room, you see clubs now and they talk about the big egos and the fact that players are essentially businesses off the pitch as well as obviously footballers within a dressing room. Mm. You think of the characters you had at Celtic yourself, Chris Sutton, Henrik Larson, Neil Lennon, John Hartson, Petrov, Lubo, Mialbi, mm-hmm. I could go on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. What was that dressing room like? Was there any egos at all or was it completely united? No, no, there was no egos, no, no. There was, um, that's one thing that wasn't there. There, there was a, it was an incredible enough steel and strength-wise of if we're going to win it, we win it together. And we all had that. There wasn't anybody I would turn around and say uh, he's aloof for he was, he was um, anything like that. Whoever came in that dressing room bought into what everybody else was doing. And I think that was a testament to Martin but in the five years that, that he was there. Because uh, the group of lads more or less stayed for that length of time. It was more or less like yeah, four or five years that they stayed. There wasn't really much, much change out of it. So, I think anybody that came into the dressing room who, who might have thought they'd an ego, I'd have soon get drawn out of them because it was a team of it was a team of winners at dressing room. Yes, some of these were probably stronger minded than others, but in the scale of things, everybody got on brilliantly. And that that was that was a sign of a great team. Just to finish, Paul, I want to ask you just a few questions about your managerial career. Uh, you started at Livingston, went on to Wickham. Mm. One of the things people forget is you had a great run with Wickham in the League Cup semi-finals, mm. and you also managed Neil Lennon for a brief spell there. What was that like, yeah. given the fact you were teammates for so long? No, it was great. I knew what I was getting. And Wickham was brilliant, I've got to say. It was, it was a great time there. Great, <clears throat> and great players there. Good, Really good guys, top guys, and I've done fair to mention uh, some of them because they were all really good with me and uh, come down from Scotland and and that they, and that, that cup run was was brilliant. The following year we, we had to change a couple of things and Lenny was leaving I think Norton Forest or something like that. And I thought well we, we need somebody to play that role. He came down for a short time and had a, a little go at it, which was good. But that the club itself was great. I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. And we did we had a we did an incredible, an incredible cup run. And in terms of Norwich, you take them obviously from League One to the Premier mm. League. But the thing that always intrigues me is, for enough, I spoke to Brian Gunn two weeks ago. He was on the other end of the 7-1 game for yourself when you were manager of Colchester against Norwich. How did you go from beating Norwich so heavily to then taking the job? How, how did that sort of feel? Because it, it seemed very quick at the time. It was just, it was just well, I'd, I'd, I'd been to Norwich when I played my testimonial. I mean, a, a few 
few years before Martin took us down there. <coughs> and um, never thought nothing of it. You just think it's a, it's a normal time you're playing, Norwich. And, and then went down there and uh, went in the game with, with Colchester and thought, OK, we've we a big crowd in here. Let's see how it goes. It was a roasting hot day that day. And um, but I, knew, I knew we'd got a, a decent little side at Colchester. And we went to Carroll Road and then I, I remember looking at the clock at that time. I think it was 20 minutes gone and we're 5 0 up. I thought, this is, this is unbelievable what's happening here. And then just honestly, and it could have been more than seven because we had some unbelievable chances after that, that uh, second half. It, it could have been nine. If you walked out with nine, then I don't think anybody could have argued. But the lads that day were excellent. Again, I had a really good little squad there at, at Colchester, good guys. At, and then a few weeks later, the chair or the owner of Colchester asked to see me. I think we left. I think we were top of the league. The league had started the following year, and we were top of the league. And he asked to see me and told me Norwich should come in. And um, he thought he, could, he couldn't stop it really from happening. And then we went there, and I looked at their squad and thought this this squad is too good to be in League One. There's some really good players in here. And we thought if we can tickle them along a little bit and see how they do, then and uh, they were unbelievable. The run they put on and the the, the really similar to Celtic kind of era where everybody bought into it. And whoever came into the dressing room followed the lead with other guys. And they were great guys. They were uh, some of the stories I can't publish for, <laughs> for some other things, but they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. And they I've always said that they're the ones that done it. They, they went for League One. Well, that I'm not sure that will ever be done again. League One Championship and bounce back up to Premier League and stay in the Premier League comfortably in tenth place. So I don't think that will be done again. But um, and it was the same. It was nearly virtually the same group of guys that had been with me for the three years, and they were they were absolutely fantastic. Every one of them. A great time at Norwich, and I want to ask you about Aston Villa because. From the outside looking in, I always felt that that was the right club for you. But any manager going in there, it was maybe just the wrong time because there was just so much mm. going on behind the scenes. Is that a kind of fair summary of that? I there was there was no. It's funny because I I needed a rest for Norwich because the, the, I was tired after that as well. I needed to leave. I was tired of everything, and I, and I never really wanted to go back into football as quick as that. And then. Um, Asimov asked me, would I go? And I was saying no and things like that. And I kept on asking, just go back in. Um, and then all of a sudden, I, I realised that there wasn't, a, there wasn't going to be too much really to work with there. And um, I knew the owner was wanting to sell it. I knew some players had to go who weren't for me. Didn't think that some of them were, were good enough, what, what, I, what I expected uh, from them. Some good guys we, we had. To, but when I realised there wasn't too much too much money, I knew it was going to be a hard gig. But the ones that did see it through, then done well for us, you know. But I knew the, the parameters of, we, we had to get rid of some players because of the, the money. And in terms of your managerial career after that, you obviously had spells with Blackburn, you were at Wolves, mm. Stoke, Ipswich. Do you want to get back into management again? Is that something that you're you're pursuing? And, and the one thing I suppose I've got to ask you is, would you consider managing in Scotland again at some point in your career? No, Scotland. I, I, I think my time's finished in Scotland. That's uh, that's finished. I, I did I, great times, great grounding, as I said, as you've touched on. But your your life moves on, and uh, I like watching the Celtic lads play, and hopefully they have success. 
they the the they want to go back in. I think everybody wants to go back in when, when they're out and, and time will tell whether that happens or not. Blackburn was really good. I left Mona Corb there because there was obviously again no money and I was getting tired of the firefight. And then um went to Wills was great, it was absolutely a brilliant club. Wills and Stoke was an incredible club. So they were at, they only had 15 games at Stoke and they were great. But there was a changeover and uh with Mr. Coates probably giving it his son. Sort of thing, and, and that kind of changed over. But still, I've got to say, I never have a bad word with Stoke because it was a great club, great people there, great supporters. Wills was the exact same. We had a great cup run with Wills, with the FA Cup, beating Liverpool and, and Stoke at that time. And but Blackburn was a really good club, but there was I, I had no money, there was no help really coming in uh, with it. And uh, but the other two clubs, Wills and Stoke, were were fantastic uh, clubs to. To be about rules with ownership and, and where the rules went after after that with the big money getting spent was incredible. And it stopped only had 15 games, but I'll tell you what, we done it, stopped we we got the atmosphere going, which was great. And when I went back to that especially you got a great reception from them. So that, that was a fantastic um time. And that switch was really good. Again, no the biggest money to try and you're trying to stop the 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 walls from coming through the through the holes at times because of no money to to help and then but nearly three years was was uh, was good you know but it's, it's a really good club that's but it needed it needed investment which the new ownership has, has done brilliant thank you for your time paul all right so we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will all be open they'll be filled with song they'll be filled with song we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make her